0: consummate athletes seeks health community and adventure through movement
1: and here on the podcast longtime endurance coach and kinesiologist peter glassford and author and cycling coach molly herford are helping you lead your best active adventurous life
0: every week we talk with professional athletes health and fitness experts and of course real life consummate athletes
1: we're excited to have you along for the ride hello hello! welcome back to the consummate athlete podcast time for another quick hit episode and this one i'm actually pretty psyched to have some pretty real life consummate athletes on here
0: yeah we have scott and debbie livingston uh who some of the cyclocross listeners may know horse spikes which are are, you know spikes for the shoes that cyclists use during muddy races often in cyclocross
1: i think my favorite thing about cyclocross is like the more into it you are just the nerdier you can get on the details like Everyone makes the joke about tire pressure, like what, what pressure you're running. But then we can get into tire tread. And okay, from from that, now we can get into what length of toe spikes are you using for this particular day if you are using toe spikes? Or which embrocation have you elected to use? Right, right. Uh, which which chamois cream are you using to complement your embrocation? Oh God, you mixed them up. Oh boy, this is a problem. Well, the hot one. Et cetera.
0: <laughs> yeah, so that's very small. We don't even... Talk talked about that till the end but we they're very you know real life consummate athletes as we're fond of calling uh these these interviews and they had you know they're listeners of the podcast which we appreciate a lot and you know they're they're people that are doing lots of different sports they're staying healthy as they're you know becoming adults we'll say getting older like all of us Uh, And there also, we talked a lot about evolving, you know, our sport identity, right? So going from like really serious racing to, you know, having kids to racing differently and how you sort of like can change your focus as you continue going to events. Uh, So I really enjoyed this conversation for that reason, right? Just this idea of, of how do we keep sport and movement in our life as our lives inevitably change.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you've seen that even with clients in this past year with racing kind of being off the table in 2020. I think it's made a lot of people realize that they were kind of clinging to this identity of being a racer. But actually, they're sort of enjoying training and life a lot more when they can kind of choose their own adventure.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think this idea of being like, you know, a, a good human and then being a good athlete and then, you know, you can certainly become specific you know, maybe at times of the year, right, these times of the years where we hustle and, you know, get very specific about certain challenges or certain races or, or whatever we're doing. But, um, you know, I think Scott and Debbie are great examples of just, you know, over time developing a great routine that's, you know, again, keeping healthy, you know, working through it, different injuries and, and different things like this. So um, I think it's it's a great one that we're happy to share.
1: Awesome. All right. Well, enjoy this conversation with Scott and Debbie Livingston. Before we get into this week's episode, check out this clip from my recent interview with the Canadian Cycling Magazine podcast. I had so much fun talking to editor Matt Piero all about my article that I did for their December-January issue about setting intentions this year instead of resolutions. Enjoy! Enjoy! First of all, who is doing that just based on a Facebook post that you put up on January 1st?
0: That's also a very good point. This is a fictitious problem.
1: Yeah, I'm going to make the (laughs) argument that this is a fake problem that people have because no one, no one is like hunting you down to check on your resolution. Like the only way that accountability works is if you've picked an accountability partner that you you've agreed is going to check in with you. Otherwise, like, let's be honest, nobody cares about your intentions or resolutions or anything. Tough love.
0: Oh, my gosh. That is the
2: best reality check I've I've gotten in a long time. Dear Matthew, no one goes back to your posts to check what you said.
1: Really
0: sorry, Matt.
2: (laughs) No, that's 100 percent true.
0: So, Deb, what have you been up to uh, in the last little bit?
3: Okay, so this week, uh, at, at about a, just less than a week ago, I, I did another FKT on one of the Blue Blaze Trails in Connecticut. So it was an out and back. Uh, it was one of those things where it's like, okay, you know, I've got a half a day. Um, what can I fit in? Um, what's local and what's fun? So I grabbed a friend and we, we did um, a 25-mile out and back course on the Nihantik trail and uh, she just got the info back from the FKT website that what we submitted was accepted. So just check that off on our list. And with these FKTs right now, it's it's that's what's been fun because all the races have been canceled. So when we, and the competition part of it is, is uh, interesting and exciting uh, for me. So uh, that's, that's what he did a few days ago today. Uh, went up to the Bolton Cross Country Course and ran ran the course with my kids, um, and and that's their little competition um, and exercise.
0: Right, right, and I think that's 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 awesome. And the FKTs actually have been really big this this year. So I do want to uh, dig into that. Um, but maybe Scott, I'll get you to give me a rundown of what you've been up to today or or this this last week.
2: Uh, for me, I rode to work today. I've been riding to
0: work every day for the
2: entire pandemic to and from i leave my car here over the past month i've kind of taken it easy i had uh a couple fkts actually three in one day a month ago and then i stepped on a rock and it aggravated my uh sort of previous injuries from the, the long new england trail adventure so i've just been kind of taking it easy and sticking mostly to riding
0: and that's good. And maybe, uh, Debbie, did you want to take us through just even, you know, I think a lot of our listeners know FKT, but did you want to give us even just a rundown of, you know, when if someone's going like, what is FKT? And what, uh, you know, yeah. what, what is this? Like, can you give us the uh, the, the, information about sure. FKT?
3: Sure. So FKT stands for Fastest Known Time. And there actually is a, a website now. That, um, that you can look into, look at and, and go through all the known, uh, submitted FK and approved FKTs. And you could choose to to do a fastest known time as an individual in a, in a single gender group, in a mixed group. You could do it self-supported, unsupported, supported. Um, and they all have different um, uh, rules as to what what those each mean. And we can go into that if you like. Uh, and then, and then you you look at the times and you see, hey, maybe I can I can better that. So what you just try to do is better that time on that course, uh, on that particular course. So you're looking at the GPS and and see, okay, you know, uh, where did they go from and where did they go to? Uh, the the other part of that is that you can also submit new uh, new times or new or new new uh, courses. So I just did that. Uh, Last week, I, I did a um, a Nitmuk south or Nitmuk east and west. There's two branches to the Nitmuk trail, and I did an east and west branch, uh, which no one had done before. Most people just run the entire length of it, um, and then I've submitted that as an as an alternative, and um, haven't heard back on that yet. Uh, but it's it's just – it's kind of a fun way to, to just change things up and do things when you can do them rather than having to be at a race at a certain time and competing against others all at the same time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Do you know – what is the, the official website? Do you know that offhand? I can look it up, but do you know – is it
3: – Yes. It's fastestknowntime.com. Oh, easy. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty easy.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, let's that now. Now, Scott, you've it, you have an extensive blog um, of many years, so we'll link to some of the, your posts there that that you sent me, and some of the ones that I liked as I browsed through. But you do have one on, on that's titled "Fastest Known Time," and you make the contention that Connecticut is, is a, a good place, the best place maybe for FKTs. Can you, that's can, you right. can, can you form this argument for us in, in short form? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. I mean, Connecticut
2: is one of the highest density states when you measure trails per population. So when you look at the number of trails for the 3 million people in Connecticut, and you look at the number of trails for the size of the state, it's dramatic. Every year, Connecticut leads the nation on Trails Day with the most number of activities. Connecticut also has the Blue Blaze Hiking Trail System, which is 825 miles of trails. So it is just tailor-made for FKTs. Uh, All these are established trails, many of them going back to 1915, 1920. Uh, And there's an organization in the state that has supported these trails called the Connecticut Forest and Park Association. So when this FKT thing blew up during the pandemic, while all the races were canceled, the the trail running community in Connecticut just went nuts. And that's why I make the argument that we lead the world in FKTs.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, to go, I guess, deeper on the FKTs, they there, like, Debbie, what would you say, like, your, your most prized one is? Like, what is the, what's the, like, feather in your cap as far as FKTs?
3: Hmm. Uh, I'd have to say the, the most, the, the one right now uh, that, that uh, kind of shines in my head is the, the uh, Appalachian Trail in Connecticut is about 51 miles. So you go from the New York, Connecticut border to the, the uh, Connecticut, Massachusetts border. And, uh, and I did it with a friend, but she had to drop about 35 miles in and I, I pressed on. So, uh, so for me, like being with a friend and, 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 and supporting her and trying to get help her along. And then we, we were helping each other and then, but then for her to have to drop and her telling me, go ahead, you know, push on and, and, and finish this up. Uh, and then I did, and I, I, I did really well, uh, to the finish and, um, and that, so, the, I mean, that, and that's a beautiful, I mean, it just felt good. It felt good. I had my husband out there supporting me and it, and it was, uh, it, it, I took a couple hours off the fastest time on that course for that, for that particular, um, section.
0: Now in this is, we'll, we'll talk a bit about training in a couple different forms here, but like for something like that. Like, were you training fairly regularly for running? Like, are are you someone who just like runs, you know, just like jumps in and does fifty miles, or like, what does that yeah. look like?
3: That, the the latter, yeah. <laughs> just pretty much, I I'm always ready to for an adventure, and I'm always and fifty miles for me at this point in my life because I've been doing it for twenty years is not long. So as long as I've been keeping a steady amount of running and cross training, and I'm feeling healthy. Um, I, I could pick, just pick a day and just go out and do it. Uh, so it's not, it's not that I, I didn't actually train for it. It was one of those things where my friend was like, I really want to do this. Uh, let's pick a date. Okay, let's go. (laughs) Right. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not like, okay, I knew I wanted to do it months out ahead and then worked my way up to it. I was just, okay, let's go.
0: Right. Right. Now you're, you're, you're both pretty active. That's why you're on here. You do a, a variety of different things. Um, and for you work is, is like fitness instructing. Is that fair to say?
3: Yes, and that's very fair to say. My my degree is I have a, a, a bachelor's degree in health and fitness, the minor in business, and a master's degree in fitness management. And so my my job my jobs are uh, teaching yoga, but I can teach other fitness classes as well, such as Pilates or uh, um, core classes, or uh, more my my specialty. Uh, but I also coach uh, athletes in running. Um, I also am a cross country coach for middle school. Um, you know, and then, you know, various other, I used to do a lot of personal training. I've kind of stepped back from that a little bit because it's just hard to, uh, to schedule all that in with my kids with trying to take care of a household and raise kids at the same time.
0: <laughs> um so I wonder, Scott, do you want to take us through again another post you had here that I, I like, and it ties into how you guys met, but then also into uh, a race you've done a bunch in a different, couple different ways. So do you want to take us through just how you met Debbie and that sort of that story? Sure.
2: Deb and I met in 1999 at the Vermont 50. It's a 50-mile ride and run, so it's the only ultramarathon we know in the country that combines mountain biking and trail running and it dates back to the mid 90s i didn't do it the first year but a friend invited me to come up with him in 99 and i met deb in the parking lot it's uh, starts and finishes at the uh, scutney mountain ski area it's now called the scutney trails in brownsville vermont so it's a special place for us the race itself now attracts More than 800 mountain bikers per year and more than 250 runners. So it's massive as ultras go. When we started it, you know, 20 plus years ago, uh, it was a much smaller group. But she was there to run it and I was there to ride it. And that uh, was just a great chance meeting for us. I subsequently have gotten into running over the years. I, I started with running back in middle school and high school, but had gotten away from it during my cycling career and my my heyday of road racing, and have come back to it on the trails with Deb over the past 20 years. The Vermont 50 itself is just a great fundraiser for Vermont Adaptive Ski and Sport, which is an organization, nonprofit that does the equipment, training, coaching for athletes who have disabilities. And they do snow sports as well as summer sports. Uh, so it's a long history with this race.
3: But we've done both. You know, we, he's he's run he's run the course in the past. He's obviously cycled the course in the past. In the last three years, I've biked the course. And I, 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 after years and years of running either the 50 mile or the 50K. And now our, and now our son rode it for the first time last year and beat me. <laughs> Four, thir, 13 years old, and he's already beaten me. <laughs> right, right.
0: Hmm. And so over the years, you know, it's one of the topic that comes up, and I don't know if there's anything here or not, but we can see, um, you know, when people, as as we get older, as time goes on and life life challenges, right? It's sometimes people have like the benchmarks and their their personal best times, and you know they've won it in the past. So, have you guys found it difficult over the years? You know, returning to the same event. I imagine the course is not much different. Like, is it is it difficult? How have you handled that?
3: So I would say that the course actually does change quite a bit over the years because of landowners choosing to not allow, because actually most of the course is on private land. So uh, a landowner can choose from one year to next to say that I do not want the race to cut across my land. So they have to alter it. So it does change. It has changed dramatically. Uh, But on another side of that is that I also look at, I know that I'm past my prime in racing. So I'm not chasing down my old times. I look more at you know how I feel and and, you know, and uh, you know, how I how I compete against others my age rather than can I can I try to win this you know when I never win it before can I get podium again when I when I got, came came in seconds like three or four times that that that's kind of behind me and I feel like you know probably Scott probably feels the same way I mean you hit that point in your 30s where you're at your prime and, and you're trying to chase those things down. And now we're in our 40s and we're loving it um, still, but but you have to change your expectations and and go with what you have um have in you for for this stage of your life. What yeah, about you, see Scott? It.
0: Scott, how's it been yeah. for you? I was gonna say, I, I mean,
2: I I view it similarly with a few differences. The race is a great benchmark, you know. I've been going there for more than 20 years. And I I was in my 20s when I first did it. It was very competitive, and I had some great times uh, mountain biking. Uh, I switched it up, did a little running. Uh, There was even a year where I broke my chain at the 17-mile mark. I broke it again a mile later after repairing it, and I just ran the rest of the way. I gave my bike to an aid station volunteer, and I ran in my cycling shoes because I wanted to finish, and I I was having a great day. But it was a mechanical I couldn't control.
0: Was this where your foot injury came from, or?
2: <laughs> no, I think it was a brain injury.
0: Oh, okay, okay.
2: <laughs> but I mean, that, that that being said, you know, the I've evolved. I now race single speed exclusively, and the past five years, I've done the race on my my, my rigid single speed. I'm just total purist. Uh, that's how I've changed things up to keep it different and special
0: is there a like a single speed coming back I've been waiting for this like resurgence you know it was really big I I think you guys are in a a hot area for it from my experience you know down there in Pennsylvania and stuff it seems big Um, but do you feel like it's coming back
2: Uh, I mean it never left in New England there's always been a a hardy bunch here Uh, I race single speed mountain bike exclusively and most of my cyclocross the past few years has been single speed as well and uh, it's it, We have a great series here in New England for the cross riders, the Zankinato single speed cyclocross like series, or the Zank series. Sadly, it won't happen this year, but it's uh, pretty competitive. And some of the guys that win those races have gone on to compete in in you know geared races at a very high level.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great thought though, that like changing the bike or, or, you know, almost making your own little challenge within the race, right? Like, can I finish this in single speed? Can I, you know, whatever, get, how high can I get on a single speed? And I think that's, that's Mm -hmm. a cool, cool variation, right? That lets you keep participating in that event. So it's good. So with family then, like, I mean, that's another topic that a lot of our listeners like is this idea of like layering or or, um, combining family into activity, right? Family time with you know, the exercising, the racing time. So how has that changed? You know, you, you guys have done these trips to Mount Fuji and, and these type of like almost professionalized sport. Um, you know, you were away and had this opportunity. So now how has, has that evolved now that your kids are are part of it? Deb, do you want to? Oh, that?
3: yeah, sure. Uh, we, we were of the mindset that we would not let um, uh, the, the, having a family to stop us, from continuing what we love to do, we wanted to create this atmosphere where it's they were they're part of our adventure. So a part uh, a big component of that is getting the right tools for the job. So we we bought a chariot uh, stroller, and it was a jog stroller. It um, also turned into um, a, a bike uh, trailer. Uh, so and and so that was my main means of of exercising every single morning. My and my son took his nap I had my run uh, and so a lot of pushing the jog stroller early on when we had Dahlia three years later we got the double jog stroller she I was pushing two kids and just getting stronger and stronger we, we joked about it once they were out of the stroller that that was the strongest side I think I've ever been <laughs> because you you you've got to push that thing around and that's another you know 80 pounds or so uh, and and that was so that was a really great way another way we added the kids in was that I would throw them on my back for a, a long hike. Uh, they would. Ha- they started hiking alongside us once they were four or five years old. Um, they came to all of our races and crewed with Scott. So they were there helping at the aid stations. Uh, they were. They were. They were part of that the experience and and they remember it well. So we just we didn't let the challenge of having kids uh, interfere with what we wanted to continue to do. The other thing about having the kids was that yes it was a little bit more challenging to get moving to to put all the gear together to go on that the to get in the car to to get to the race unpack you know everything everything took three more steps but that didn't bother us we just didn't let that be a deterrent to to add them into our equation of Every weekend going to a race, whether it be a cyclocross race, a mountain bike race, a running race uh, uh, or or even just a backpacking trip. Uh, And and I think they're better for it. I mean, they're both quite active. They're both very active and they understand the the importance of exercise. And they also understand the importance of challenging themselves and pushing themselves. Um, And that that uh, translates over into just life. In general, but, and not just sport.
0: Yeah, I think so, Scott. Do you have thoughts in that direction, or?
2: I mean, I'm really proud of the way that we've been bringing them up. You know, you talk about this consummate athlete podcast. The idea of a consummate athlete. I mean, there's consummate parents as well, in my view. You know, and you know, consummate is sort of like covers the spectrum, right? You've heard all the different sports we do, and we've just included our family in all of that the trekking as Deb mentioned the hiking that's that's great training it's it's just outdoor time and we've spent a lot of time in in the wild with our kids i know that um, she talked about the strollers and we've been so happy to help all other parents over the years with advice and tips and how to keep their edge and stay active and there's other gear as well like she said if you do the research you shouldn't let it slow you down. It should only enhance your adventures. And now, as she mentioned, with our 14-year-old son, Shepard, you know, dropping me on the climbs or out riding her at the VT50, I mean, it makes it's a whole new realm for us to explore. And uh, Deb and I like to have our adventures together. We have our solo adventures. But now when the kids are involved, I feel like I could do this another 20 years.
0: Yeah, and you hit on it. Like, I mean, that's certainly when we, we thought about consummate. It wasn't just like someone who does activities, right? It was someone who is layering that into a good life or spiraling the activity. Like the activity makes for, you know, you you don't return to the Vermont 50 because you love, you know, riding for 50 miles. You can do that from home, right? Like that's that's not the reason. Uh, I, no. You have all these pictures in your post of the race organizer and people you've met and your, your kids mm-hmm. now as well, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. That they've grown up
2: around these events you know again this is the odd year where there's been no events but when we've taken them on our travels I mean cr- crewing hard rock with young kids just adds a whole other layer of complexity and most people would say to us oh my gosh I-, I come out to the mountains to get away from my kids and I couldn't believe it when they said that right I'm like wow I want my kids to see this and experience this and uh it is a lot more work as Deb noted. You have to have the, the fortitude, the courage, the strength, the endurance, not just to do the running and biking but to you know bring the family along, pack all that gear. Uh, but it, uh, we would have not done it any other way.
3: Well the memories you make are, are, are unbelievable. I mean the kids talk about all these adventures all the time. It's, it's the highlight it's been the highlights for them. You know, they 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 go back to school and they they tell their friends what they did and their friends just don't believe them and they just can't you know wrap their head around it. So they, uh, they their friends can't wrap their head around what the, what our kids do with us. I mean that it's it, that's what's just the the best about it. And our kids love spending time with us now. I mean it, it's and you know Scott just said our 14 year old he just turned 14 two days ago, and he he tells us all the time he's like mom and dad. I, I don't think you're annoying at all. Like some of my friends tell tell me their parents are annoying. It's like, I love spending time with you because we, we all love doing the, these things together. Like we're, 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 uh, you know, we're a team and, and we've, we've created that bond on those, on those adventures that, you know, we've got each other's back and we, you know, we work towards this as a team and, uh, and it's, you know, it's part of who they are and they, and they appreciate us for what we do now and, we, uh, you know, we, we appreciate them for what they they have um have given us.
0: So, so you think you've been fortunate in that, like they haven't, you know, at any point been like, this is boring or take me home or you know this sucks, oh. it's oh. raining, why did you take me into the wilderness?
3: Oh, they say that all the time, <laughs> but they don't really mean it. <laughs> yeah, no, I you?
0: mean, it, uh, all the time. Yeah, no, no, it's
2: it's sometimes <laughs> it's complete drudgery, but then when they experience that view and they recognize that the only way to, to see the mountains like this is to be in the mountains and to have hiked, you know, 13 miles, then they get it. And then when they look back uh, and reflect on the journeys, they recognize this, you know, it's, it's been written about this concept of type two fun, right? Peter, are you familiar with the concept?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
2: Yeah. All right. So, and, and I'm sure many of the listeners are familiar with it as well, but our kids are now familiar with it and i think that once you integrate that into their lives they and and they have the uh strength to do it they've built up the strength because they they, you can't just go out into the wilderness you know and and do these tricks trips and we just had one to the grafton loop trail in maine it was 40 miles and it was 10 miles a day with a, a lot of vert and a lot of rugged terrain and uh You know, even our 10 year old made it through it and she was very proud of it. But there were a lot of tears and some parents don't want to experience that, you know, and it's so the suffering is less about the kids and it's more about the parents.
3: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's
0: um, it's hard, right? It is. and is,
3: and, And it's I think I think our society in this day and age is just too comfortable all the time, especially the kids. I mean we're so used to being ne- never being too warm, never being too cold, never being hungry, never being thirsty. It's like everything is this even keel and 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 it's but it's so important we feel it's so important for our kids to feel discomfort to feel too hot, to be too cold, to be hungry sometimes, and then they get a real understanding more about what life is about because when you're too hungry, you're too cold, and then you get to the campsite and you make yourself a meal. And you feel that uh, that satisfaction of being tired and hungry and then eating and, 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 and uh, making it there and putting up your own tent and having, and then sleep and then sleeping on your own mat that you, that you just inflated. There's just, there's so much to that and they gain so much for uh, life uh, in life to then bring back to their normal life to uh, in experiences like that. And, and it's, yeah, it's, it's wonderful to see. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard when you're in the middle of it and you, sometimes you're like, get me off this mountain. You're pulling your hair out. Um, but, um, but it's so worth it. It's just so worth it for them and for us in the end.
0: Yeah. I think that's real. It's good to, that we've touched on the fact that it's not just like your rainbows and your kids are, you know, no. they're like loving every moment.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> so I wonder, like, do you think the I always say with any of this, like bike packing and this type of stuff, like if someone's, you know has kids already you know they're not just coming into this um would you say like a, a, it's it's baby steps like it's like any sport it's sort of just like go on like a you know car camping for a night to start or something like that like would that be recommendations or like how how would someone get started say they have like you know seven-year-old whatever they, they is sort of younger would they have they have kids it doesn't matter the age but how would you start someone out on some of this backpacking hiking type stuff
2: i i think it starts in a local park you know it starts in your neighborhood You know, we, you can camp in your backyard and I really do think that's where it begins. You know, uh, the stuff that we do, you build up to, you work your way towards it. And there are so many different levels, right? We have a rail trail out our front door and we built our home in a, a trails community so that we had access to them. But if you have access to trails, you can get started and, just getting your kids out for a walk. I mean, Deb, you probably live this more than I do. So what's your advice?
3: No, I say that's definitely true. I think of I think more for the parents than the kids, based on where their level of comfort is. So if a parent is not used to being backpacking, they're gonna need yeah, they're they're gonna need more reassurance that they feel safe and comfortable taking their kids backpacking. Uh, there's lots of ways to do that. Another option is to work with an organization nearby. So we have uh, the Appalachian Mountain Club who, who takes families on adventures. So that would be a wonderful place to start because now you have the safety net that you know that they're going to bring the right amount of food. They're going to have all the right gear for you. They're going to know what your what your family is capable of. They have they have the uh, the rescue people on call really close by so that that's probably one of the better ways another thing we we've done with our kids when they were early younger was we we use the hut system in the white mountains so if you have the ability to hike to a hut where there's uh there's beds and there's someone cooking meals then you're taking one layer you know layer or two of of the challenge out of it so it's better for the parents and it could be better for the kids uh and so so there's uh they're, they're stepping stones, just like you said. So Scott's saying, you know, start local, but you can also start with with that safety net of u- using an organization to help you get out yeah. in the woods.
0: Yeah, I like that, like a guide or, or just taking some element, you know, by having something taken out of it. So you could do that mm-hmm. either or. Great. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: The the community organizations should be highlighted, right? Debbie mentioned AMC. He, in Connecticut, we have the Connecticut Forest and Park Association. There also is scouts. Both of our kids are involved in scouts, so independent of Deb and and, uh, and me giving them instruction, uh, they are learning from other parents and leaders in the scouts. You know, my son just did canoeing merit badge over the past two weekends. They had to resort to a day camp, but normally he goes away for two full weeks to New Hampshire. and they're, they're fortunate that these organizations exist, but he has a very diverse troop, kids from all different walks of life. Many of them, most of them, their parents are not like us. I, I assure you of that they are just regular folks that uh, would think these adventures are insane. But the kids are getting exposed to the outdoors. And I think that's the important part.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we we all agree on that, that there's a lot of, of benefits to that. I, I wonder if we change gears now a little mm-hmm. bit. Some of the downside as, as athletes is around injury. And I know, Debbie, you have your yoga Pilates background. So I'm curious because I think, Scott, if I read this right, you're more injury prone, whereas Debbie, you, you strike me. And, and I could be missing stories here, so feel free to go down them. But you seem to be pretty fortunate as far as injuries, or do you think that you've you know the yoga, the Pilates, uh, is is helping you in that?
3: Oh I'm sure I'm sure the yoga and the core work and uh, and and that that part of my uh, fitness regimen has helped me immensely. Um I also think that certain people are more injury prone than others. Scott I mean uh, and based on what you do all day I I'm I'm up and about and moving all day based on you know, working at home and with the kids and and fitness and Scott it has to do a, a lot of sitting or a lot of standing because he's he's Working at the computer all day, so there, there's that. Um, so, uh, and also, I tend to be much more light on my feet. Uh, I'm, I'm, I barely weigh over a hundred pounds. I'm barely five foot two, so my, my, um, my foot strike, um, the weight uh, for each step is, is not nearly as much as, as a lot of, of people might might um might have with impact. Um, I, I'm also very conscious of of being um, of switching things up. I'm not running every single day and I don't try to reach a certain mileage every week. Um, and I, and I, and I like to change up what I do for running. I go on the road. Sometimes I do hill repeat. Sometimes I go on the trail. So it's just diversity, I think has been very uh, good for me. I have never had an injury where I've had to actually stop running completely. I've had, had some little niggles here and there, like glute pain, which I, I worked on through, um, You know, just rolling it out with a small ball um, or uh, being more focused on getting more massage. Um, Also, ball of foot pain, which I figured out was an issue with more of my shoes. I needed more toe splay. So I I moved to ultras. um, And now there's plenty of uh, uh, other shoes out there that have more of a, a wider toe box. And that and that just changed everything. So it was it's more of just looking for what what I need to change or what I need to do a little differently to to get that little bit of pain to go away so I can run pain free. But that I mean, that's in 21 years of ultra running. Just two little two little things that that have um, cropped up. I've had had some some pretty bad knee bashes on rocks or, uh, or cuts on elbows or things like that. But, (laughs) but that comes with the territory because the terrain I'm running on is pretty gnarly. Um, and yeah, and that's that's pretty much it for me. Yeah, Scott tends to be a lot more injury prone than me, but he doesn't do nearly as much yoga as I do.
0: <laughs> well, there's that, but I like that you isolated that you know you may have benefit from you know body weight, or you know you may mm-hmm. just have a predisposition to do different things and be okay yeah. changing up the schedule. And and so there's these all these different elements, right? And even just like you say, like you've you've been okay searching for different solutions and stuff too, versus. Hmm you know, just trying to keep running the same shoes on the same sport in the same, you know, paved thing or whatever, right? So I I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. Scott, what's wrong with you? (laughs) Gosh,
2: you have to put the question that way. Uh, I went, I, I mean, I've been doing this for 35 years, and I probably went 25 years without serious injuries, just the normal stuff that comes from an active lifestyle. But once I got into my early to middle 40s, some issues cropped up. And for me, some of them have been catastrophic, right? The crashes. And you don't recover from those episodes like like you used to. So I remember, oh, it's, it's going to be about six years now, I broke my scapula in a really bad road crash on a high-speed mountain descent. Uh, then the next year, I broke my foot. Uh, I remember just having an aggravated injury, but then running on it, and did a big race. And then I broke my leg, uh, what is that two years ago, Deb, at the yeah. Cyclocross National Championships. So I've had these kind of moments where uh, serious injury occurs, and then you've got to go through the recovery phase. I also cross-train a lot. I mean, I would say that I, I don't even categorize myself as a runner. Right? I try not to run more than two days in a row. I'm lucky if I run 10 to 15 miles a week. Uh, this year has been a little different because I made a goal of trying to average 20 miles a week. Uh, but that hasn't stopped me from going out and doing big long trail runs because I have just an extreme base of fitness you know, after doing this for decades. And the cycling is really low impact, high, high aerobic uh, conditioning. And when you don't crash, it goes well.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. I I find also that the 5K to 5 miles is my clients all giggle at that. But that's like my standard running workout. 5Ks to 5 miles, whatever feels good. You can walk all of it or some of it. Um, But just about in that same volume that you're talking about, you know, say 15 miles to 20 is is probably more than a lot. Um, You know, unless there's something coming up, you know, and for a Mm -hmm. month, we might get more focused than that. Um, but I think it's always especially with running, like it's just always this trade-off of doing too much mm-hmm. um, yeah and, and, and that's that's my argument is that like you know we can do cycling or whatever the other sport is people like some people like paddling or whatever and get a lot of the cardio piece, but it's always just this race against getting injured, it seems like in running, right
3: yeah and and as you age, you know it's just the, your margin of error just gets smaller and smaller I mean you you can you bounce when you're 20s you bounce back from anything you put you a hard workout the next day you're like yeah you know I feel great uh in your in your 40s you just you're hitting that point which just you just don't recover as quickly so you just got to be cognizant of that so another part of of how we um take care of ourselves is is healthy eating we're, we're plant-based we are, we, are, we focus uh, our eating on plants and um another part of that is we get a lot of sleep we probably get between eight to nine hours, of, eight to 10 hours of sleep almost every night. And, and that's really important to us. Um, we don't, don't drink alcohol and that's just such a detriment to the body and we stay away from it. And, you know, Scott might have a beer like twice a year, maybe it's, um, it's just empty calories and it's, it's just, it doesn't do anything for you. So we, um, yeah, we, we. It's, it's it's a whole it's a whole view it's a it's a whole package it's not just running a certain way or um you know or or uh, cycling a certain way it's 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 the healthy eating it's the sleeping it's the yoga it's the um meditation I mean that's a big that's a part part of our lifestyle now too the deep breathing and and uh, the focused brain work <laughs> doing yoga or doing meditation or doing deep breaths doesn't have to be sit down we'll do this for an hour it never has to sometimes my yoga is like five minutes and it, and it's happening you know while I'm making dinner you know it's, it's it doesn't have to be a full class it doesn't your my breath work in the morning takes me and meditation takes me about five minutes at the most um nothing has to be this like 20 minute sit down you know be on your mat be on your mat you can take it with you anywhere and, and, and that's better uh, than, than not doing it at all. So if, if you can, if it's little snippets works better in your life and you do it, that's better than not doing anything.
0: The cyclocross is coming. Can you give us like a, a quick rundown, even just about, you know, the the spikes and how that came to be? because that is not your actual business. That is a, a very small hobby project. If I read it correctly, is that, yeah. is that true? Well, I mean, that's how it started.
2: You know, we, We have a 75-year-old family business that was founded by my grandfather in 1946, Horst Engineering, and our primary products are aerospace components. So we do precision machining. We manufacture uh, very high-tech fasteners, uh, sleeves, bushings, all different types of aircraft hardware. We support some other industries as well, but we're we're pretty much 99% aerospace. That capability. Uh, you know, is often found in the cycling industry as well. You know, some of the higher end uh, products like Chris King or industry nine all have precision machining. So does SRAM and Shimano. But years ago uh, when, when our team was, uh, you know, kind of goofing around, thinking about ideas, we were talking about things that we could produce. And we had been in touch with Stu Thorne at Cyclocross world. And none of us could get our hands on toast bikes, uh, CD, an Italian manufacturer sold a steel pair and, uh, or a steel set, two for each shoe. And uh, Stu said he couldn't get his hands on them. They were discontinuing them or they were hard to come by. The quality wasn't that great. And it was the perfect opportunity for us to be inspired by something and take it to the next level. So we we basically pioneered this idea of modular uh toe spikes depending on the conditions so we have six different sizes now we make them in stainless or titanium and we sell them in kits and pro kits and we you can get a wrench with it so we basically you know kind of created that market in the old days you'd get one one length and that was that you use them for muddy days now you can choose short medium long and it's a much better product because it's built with love and care here right here in east Hartford, connecticut
0: Okay, that's awesome to know. So, and then if people were curious, you know, they're like, whoa, these toe spikes, like if they go to horseengineering.com, they can, they can find them or what's the best way to sort of find out about toe spikes if, if someone's just mind has yeah. been blown?
2: Yep. Our, our, uh, our main company website is horseengineering.com, but you can also get there from cross-spikes.com.
0: Ah, Okay. I'll add that one in as well. And then to finish up, we lost Debbie, but she's back there. And thank you so much.
1: Thanks so much for tuning into the consummate athlete podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or any of our past episodes, please do us a huge favor, leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps us bring on, you know, great new guests and, yeah we'd also love to hear from you you can find us on the interwebs um at consummateathlete.com at consummateathlete on instagram uh and i am at molly j herford on instagram and twitter and peter is at peter glassford thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you next week